This is Scheme to Death with noted college football columnist Murph Baldwin delving deep into scheme and personnel as only he can do. And now, your host, Murph Baldwin. Baldwin. Aight, aight. Man. Don't know what I just watched. But man. Before we get into particulars though, make sure you get on over to Trojansports.com and copy yourself a subscription so you can see what is going on with the best cats on the West Coast. That is Trojansports.com. We have the best beat writer in the business, Adam J. Meyer, doing his thing on the ground level. Man, getting you those scoops, getting where you're really in tune with the team like he is, you know what I'm saying? And obviously we have the best publisher there is, definitely the best one dealing with the Trojans. That would be one Chris P. Swanson, Chris Swanee, as I call him. And we know Swanee's the best when it comes to recruiting. All the kids talk to him. He knows what's going on before most. He's that good, man. If you're talking about that analysis, that infrastructure, that scheme, that personnel breakdown. And, of course, he's pretty good on the mic behind the podcast. That's me, Murph Baldwin, the scheme playbook analyst. We're doing our thing at Trojansports.com. So if you're listening to this free content, man, you got to check us out, man, because I got some film breakdowns coming. You can really see what's going on with the Trojans and some of the things where they're excelling at and some of the things where, quite frankly, they need a little bit of help, right? But, man, coming out of this Washington State game, man, coming into it, I said that this is the type of team you should not lose to if you have that type of championship medal. Now, obviously, this isn't a death blow by any stretch of the imagination. Coming from a team that I cover, people mostly know me from covering the Alabama Crimson Tide. Ole Miss was sticking it to Alabama (laughs) from year to year, and the Tide was still getting to the title game, right? So, not not terribly bad from the grand scope of it all, but bad from some of the stuff that we've seen. And knowing some of the competition moving forward. So, I don't think of Washington State as a team. Some may want to try to spin and be like, oh, Washington State's the truth and all this and that. I think Washington State get their, will get their paint peeled and get they, get their stuff peeled back on some of these other teams. But it just is a bad matchup for USC. So, USC can see teams like this moving on in the future. But guess what? These teams have to play USC too and some of these things that, USC will eventually correct and get better at. All right. So obviously this is scheme to death. I'm your guy Murph Baldwin from Trojansports.com. I appreciate all the love out there from everybody listening to this, uh, getting a lot of feedback and everybody liking it. I love my stuff being popping out there on the West Coast, man. Even though I am a Georgia boy, I am a Southerner as I was called before. Just one of them damn dumb Southerners. <laughs> but I'm not dumb. I'm pretty educated and I'm smart. Right? All right? You know I'm always rocking over them Scott Storch beats. Shout out to Scott Storch, my main man. 
Anytime you hear this, you know you're gonna hear some Scott Storch instrumentals from when he was popping in what the late nineties to mid two thousands before he coked himself out. You know? Some other people who may have coked themselves out are people, in my opinion, who are placing this loss pretty much squarely on the shoulders of one T Martin. To me, blaming a play caller is like the most rudimentary thing that people do in football. It's almost like blaming the refs in youth sports. Oh man, the ref was cheating, man. Or even in high school sports, when when I have to do these high school games and stuff like that, you always hear some parent on the sideline. Hey, ref, what? <laughs> one guy was berating the ref, talking about some ref. What? What? Which one is your son on the other team? Like, like the ref is just like, you know what? I'm just gonna pick this one team, and I just really want to, you know, get after. Because I have nothing better to do. That's how I feel about people who talk about play calling. Because to really talk about play calling, you must really understand what's going on. You must understand there's stuff that I, I couldn't even start to explain. If you talk about the um, the levels or, 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 or the type of stuff that goes into formulating what you, what's going to happen out there on the field. There's a thing called game planning. So when you go into this, right, as an offensive staff, if you've ever been a part of, of, of these type of stats or, or you play type of ball or you play any type of ball and we're privy to game planning, uh, that particular staff would be the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks, coach, head coach. All these guys kind of get together and they go over some of the stuff that came from the advanced scouting portion, right? So the advanced scouts, they're going to look ahead, a game ahead, and they're going to say, all right, these are the tendencies that Washington State does. Uh, Washington State's 10 personnel team, kind of like what I do here, you know? I like. I really wanted to call this show advanced scouting or something like that, but scheme to death is something that I like. It's a, it's a brand of mine, one of my first brands, the stuff that I had when I would break down stuff. And some of the stuff made it to the USA Today. This was when I was first starting off like four or five years ago. And I remember I had a Cam Newton breakdown article or whatever like that and talked about the Carolina Panthers and some of the stuff that they were doing. And I remember it got picked up by the USA Today. It was called Scheme to Death, something Cam Newton. So that's, I rode with it. That's my brand. So it's a it's a pleasure to bring that to the West Coast. But like I was saying, yeah, so you get those guys, those advanced scouting guys. They go in. Here's the tendencies here. Uh, they're running uh, flood to the field side more times than not. When they get this particular look here, if they get a single high safety, they, they go to this. Uh, they go to their flares. They, they go to their double flares um, or portion of the or some type of screen, scream or, or some type of lob out there in the flats. Or if they get this blitz look here, this is what they do. Or they're or their quarterback has the ability to count personnel and then make adjustments from there. So if you have four uh, receivers on this side and then you counter with three, we're going to go to, we go, you counter with three defensive backs, then we're going to go to our screen game, stuff like that. Right? So if you really think about it, that you can't really say that one person is involved in anything Especially, you know what I'm saying, if that person isn't the head coach and he has complete autonomy on something. But just for this particular sake, you know what I mean? So that goes into it, right? So as a team, what are you going to do? You only have a certain amount of time to practice. It's not like you're practicing 24 hours a day. Uh, this is even worse than the NFL, I would have to imagine, because these kids have to be in school 
So you're going to practice a lot of the stuff on the tendencies, you know? So that's why when some stuff breaks down or whatever like that, people are like, man, they couldn't adjust. And they probably couldn't adjust because more than likely they practice as much as they could on the tendencies that they see or that they may see. You know, these tendency things go real far because you can't practice on what you see. You have to practice on stuff far back years with that particular coordinator and some of the stuff that tendencies, some of the stuff that he would actually do in these type of situations. So you go back and you practice that. But man, if they're if if you're doing that and you got everything popping and you can't stop it, more than likely you didn't work on some other things and it won't be as good when you try to implement it because you didn't take the time to work on it. Not that you didn't take the time is that you probably did, you didn't have the time. You can't work on any and everything. You can't work on a thousand defensive plays, a thousand offensive plays in a, in a, in a particular week, you know, cause these games are week to week. Right. And, um, you don't, you don't have the time in the off season. So this is really becomes, you can work on certain things in the off season, but you just have to kind of run what you brought for the most part. And you have to dictate, to whichever side of the ball you got to dictate to the defense like hey we're coming to bully you and bully you to death you know or on the offense of side of the ball or i mean on the defensive side of the ball you're like hey we're gonna pressure your quarterback we're gonna send five and six people at a time all the time run blitz and everything like that so you got to kind of dictate there are so many factors that go involved to just be like man this particular person not doing this or whatever like that and to me, that kills me in a situation like this. If we're talking about T. Martin, because what happened when it was going good? Why didn't he receive any credit? Exactly. Or is my cricket sound? I need to get a cricket sound. Why wasn't he receiving the credit for taking a red shirt freshman and implementing this into the offense? It's like people will give Sam Darnold all the props himself. But then when it's going bad and he's not doing as good, then it's not his fault. It's just squarely on the coordinator. You can't have it both ways. To me, it's always like when people come in with preconceived notions of something like you cannot possibly adjust that, you know, that's just human. If you didn't like T Martin coming into this, you didn't think he was qualified, which is laughable to me. If you didn't think he was qualified, especially come on, man, this man was out here coaching the high school football out here. And not to mention, there's not one person on that staff is more successful than this man um, at playing football. He was a really good football player. I love that dude um, at Tennessee and being able to watch him coach, uh, coach wide receiver. I believe he's at Kentucky and different other places. He's qualified to be an offensive coordinator. Come on, man. We got to quit that. You should slap yourself or slap your mama um, if, if you think that's the case. But my thing with that is if you didn't like him coming into it, you're not going to give him credit when stuff is going well. You're just waiting for something to happen back. Right. So. Either give credit where credit is due or uh, place the blame or spread. I mean, spread the blame around evenly to, uh, to to what it's supposed to be or to who it's supposed to be there. But blaming is blaming. And me as a former player, I want to play uh, playing semi-professionally and, and stuff like that. Nothing big or whatever like that. But just being around sports in general and still being around sports and having – uh, the trust of a lot of coaches out there, the people trust my football mind, ask me different things, and, you know, it's what I do for a living. Blaming coaches is just goofy. If I played, I would never, ever say anything about a coach. It's just not. You know what wins football games? Execution. 
coaches don't call plays for them to be bad. <laughs> you know, they're calling plays to be successful. So no matter what, if you execute, though, the difference between some of the stuff that I've seen, like just take Alabama, for example, like I've seen them call certain things in certain situations that you would just be like, what in the heck? Why did they do that? You know, take it at that. It was a third down in this in this particular game against Washington State, and uh, they ended up running a, I believe, a halfback draw with Rojo, and I don't think it got Rojo for my Latin brothers. I don't think it got anything. I think it may have lost a yard or two or it just was no gain or something like that. I saw a very similar situation during film study and prep when Washington played Oregon State, who is the next opponent. I don't know how much I'll spend on Oregon State on this particular scheme to death preview because Oregon State sucks straight up. Oregon, and I hate to say that. I'll tell you why later. But they ran. It was a fourth and ten, a fourth and ten on the in the game. They weren't really blowing out the blowing out Oregon State yet. It was still kind of in contention or whatever. But it was a fourth down and you weren't even in the red zone. It may have been like the thirty-five yard line, and they called they called a. Uh, Let's call it a shotgun sweep or one of those off tackle plays out of the shotgun. And they got a first down out of a fourth and 10 play, a fourth and 10 play, a first down, a run call. I was like, when he started running the ball, I was like, is he really running the ball? And he picked up the first down. That's just called execution. There's no rhyme or reason to football. It's not cutting dry. Uh, it's not black and white, cutting dry, anything like that, man. It's about execution. If your team isn't executing, maybe you could say that we didn't get it together in practice. But, man, they're extenuating circumstances. I'm looking at this game. I ain't trying to make an excuse or anything like that. But a lot of this is based on line play. What did I tell you? Only one way that you would clip a team like Wazoo is to straight up dominate the line of scrimmage. Can you say that uh, SC dominated the line of scrimmage in this game? I'm waiting. No, those boys, Hercules and those boys, they got after it. It was the bomb watching that. Remember I told you how impressed I was with the, how, how tiny that those guys were, but how they made up by converting speed to power and just blowing people off the snap and cutting gaps. So especially if you're talking about getting to your zone schemes, those guys are tough because they're going to split the gap. So if you're running your outside zone, they're going to they're gonna take that away. Uh, on your inside zone, it doesn't look like USC was being able to blow blow those guys off the snap. Remember, I told you inside zone is a quick hitting kind of power play, even though you're taking a zone step. So it was almost a mix of power and zone. And they couldn't really run that. You had a nice 80-something yard touchdown with Rojo. However, other than that, man, everything else was was blood and guts. <laughs> you know, you was fighting and, and clawing to get four and five yards. So you wasn't running the ball on this team, which is, to me, mind-blowing. That's why I had to play that Eve blow your mind because that was mind blowing to me. And um, so that's almost like fighting with one hand behind your back because we already know that this is not a passing team. I tried to tell you coming into this year, this is going to be a run based, a run oriented team, regardless of how great people think Sam Darnold is or how great he is or how, how great he's not or whatever. The basis of the scheme is going to be played off of the run, right? So when you couldn't run the ball, it's like fighting with your hand tied behind your back, fighting with a broken hand, you know, or, you know what I mean, not being able to execute your jab because your lead hand is broke. If you a fighter and you work behind your jab, you can't jab, then what? Yeah, it's going to be time to adjust, but you're still going to be uh, compensating for something, and it may not go your way, if you get what I'm saying.
with that being said, we're talking about creativity. And I actually saw a ton of creativity in this game if you go by the actual scheme and not the result. I mean, they were running like empty quad stacks, uh, four, four, four cats stacked on one side to the field side, I believe, and then another cat uh, running here. I saw some jet motion going on with Deontay Burnett, cross formation stuff. Um, some of the run concepts, uh, they were trying to adjust on that. But like I said before, you couldn't win the line of scrimmage, so Sam was getting pressured. Uh, he was getting some quick pressure. Man, those guys sometimes were taking the handoff from Sam before they can even get the run game going. And you got to call a spade a spade. You know what I'm saying? You can't be uh, critical of something and not be critical of everything or critical of someone. Sam Darnold didn't play that well to me. I'm pretty sure that if you're out there and you're you're not being uh, Johnny Trojan or or whatever, which never does anything or anyone any good. Uh, I was thinking about when on last year when we did the thing and they brought me in and asked me about Alabama because obviously I color I cover Alabama and I have a keen understanding of their team and in personnel, right? And I was telling guys like oh, I don't know, man, I. I know some of these guys you think are really good, but they wouldn't start on Alabama. We were going through picking it out, and I couldn't really pick anybody flat out that I that I thought would start at Alabama. Um, and people were saying like Rojo and all this, and then I'm like, well, they're good at at running back. That's that's what they do. And then you know what I mean? He's a great player. That doesn't mean that he would start at Alabama or this and that. I think we came with uh, Adoree Jackson was a guy that I thought could start there, but everybody else not the linemen and everything like that. And we really saw in that game, you know, I never got to come back and actually talk about the game or anything like that, nor did I really want to. I had a lot of people contact me and was like, well, you were right about Alabama and this and that. It's not about that. It's just about giving you fair analysis, right? So I'm not, if I'm saying something and you think it's critical of your team, it's not coming from a place that I just like, you I just want to be critical of someone's team. I just want to give you fair analysis and I want to be right down the middle with it. So, therefore, you know, if something hits you, then you know, like, I had your best interest at heart because I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt just just for likes or somebody to like me. I don't want nobody to like me, especially on the Internet. I don't give a rip. Only people I want to like me is the people in my immediate circle here that I, I mess with. Other than that, man, I can just do my job and be cool with it. A lot of these people in this business, these cats here in the Georgia media, some of these cats that I know here, these clowns, they just want to be liked because they weren't liked in high school. I've been like my whole life. Everybody like me. So <laughs> either or they or everybody has an opinion to me, you either like me or you hate me, but you have an opinion. So I ain't got to do that. I ain't got to worry about that. So you just know when you're getting schemed to death, I'm giving you fair analysis. But my analysis of Sam Darnold right now, if you go in to me, that was a small sample size last season. It was a great sample size, but I still wanted to see what, how he will follow up last season being as though, uh, what was it, 11, 10, 11 games or whatever like that, 12, 13, I don't know how many games or whatever that he played, and he played fantastic. But then you got to see what's the ability to switch the pit, switch your pitch when people now have film on you. They don't now know some of your tendencies. Or the fact that your personnel switched around, how can you react to, all right, now I don't have a big-time deep threat like I did before, which you can kind of say, who was the really the deep threat last year? To me, you had number one receivers, Z-type receivers, but you still would need those explosive plays to come from someone like a Dory Jackson. Maybe I'm missing somebody, but I don't think of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and um and, and those guys, Darius. Um, 
as just big speed guys or anything like that. So you have bigger targets. And yeah, you're missing your tight end, Daniel Matcher, baby, right now and some of that. But how would you adjust? There have been people in college football and other teams that I covered where they lost the entire receiving corps, running backs and everything like that and have to come back and ball out still. Man, actually, look at your guy at Washington. Um, I'm not sure if he lost a lot of offensive personnel or whatever like that, but um, it is what it is. I think he's doing pretty well. Uh, same thing. I want to see what's going on with the second year of my man at UCLA. Uh, I think he's Josh Rosen. I think he's a really, really great quarterback, really great tools. Uh, some of those traditional type tools in the pocket type tools, uh, side adjustment type tools, um, mechanic type tools that he has that's on lock. But I want to see what he would do a second year. In the second year, I believe he got injured. So it was a hard read on that. So now he's coming back, though, and he's looking like he was looking in his first season. But it's just a bigger sample size. The The rhetoric coming in this season was that Sam Darnold was the best player. Like some people were saying, like the best player in the nation off of a certain amount of games. When there have been people like a Baker Mayfield and these guys who have been in the college football playoffs um, multi, uh, a couple of, or at least one time, and close to it for a second time and been playing some really good football, you know, or some of these running backs out here. So I just think that when you're at USC, it's such a great program and such a great location that when you do do well, you get amplified. Like people pipe you. <laughs> I can't say that. People uh, definitely make sure that it's known that you're good because you're playing to me out of one of the top three programs of all time, you know, such history there. Uh, in a in a great state, great media, great media space, right? So that doesn't make that doesn't make it right, you know. I wanted to see I wanted to see more. To me, USC was an automatic just because I'm like, all right, well they're replacing a lot of different players. Let's see how they adjust. And USC is stacked with talent, in my opinion. I know they recruit very well, and and things of that sort. But you still have to win it on the field. And you can't say that these guys have played that well this season because to me, some of these teams you play like a Texas, you beat the brakes off of them. You know, if a team like Texas, all I can do is compare it to a Clemson or these kind of teams like that. When you you get Clemson plays these type of teams, they beat the brakes off of them. Or a team like Washington State, you, let's be honest here, Southerner or not, you know what Alabama would do to Washington State. You saw what Alabama did to Washington last year. Washington had a really good offense and couldn't get nothing done against that type of defense. So that's the type of defense I'm looking for SC to play where it makes up for everything. And for the most part, uh, it, it, it's been doing really good. I've been really impressed with the front seven. Um, you know how I feel about the safeties. Safeties are super deep. You know I'm not a big fan of the cornerbacks, but you got a, a lot of pressure, so that kind of evens everything out. On the offensive side of the ball, you know how I feel about the run game. Guys are awesome, no doubt. Not the best running back corpse ever or whatever like that or the best and not even close to being the best in the nation or anything like that i think you guys need to watch more football than what you watch if you think that's the case some of these guys are loaded with like first round draft pick after first round draft pick all on the same team or at least second or first round draft picks if you know what i'm saying but definitely a guy like rojo and steven carr fantastic you can't say anything else other than that the offensive line, we're not so sure. You know you have guys that are playing out of place, and you could really make an argument that everyone on the entire offensive line is a guard. So you have to see when you're going against some of these better lines. Now we've seen these guys at like Cal. I told you they could rush the passer, and they could create havoc in the front. 
Uh, Washington State, we knew, could do the same thing from a speed standpoint. And Texas, I told you about that front. And you really saw like some of that kind of crop up. You know, that's something that you're going to have to deal with moving forward. I did kind of like the fact that the young, some of these younger guys got a chance to play. I like these guys that came in. Um, some of the young guys that came in other than uh, Voorhees or in, I mean, in addition to Voorhees, I'm um, talking about Clayton Johnston. Um, who else? Austin Jackson. I saw him out there. Number 73. These guys got some time, man. And these are some, some bigger guys to me, at least from a length standpoint, guys like Toa Lobanon and them, not very lengthy, and I told you they're more of interior players, but those guys are six five six six and can can move a little bit better in my opinion, so you add that with a Chris Brown, uh, I think in the future it's gonna look really, really good out there getting off the bus so i I would say that, but in this particular game, man, it was short notice, and what can you expect on that, but you have to go by what you see out there, so I remember a particular play. Uh, shout out to young guys like Tyler Vaughn's too. Uh, it's funny. I was on the flagship show, ChildrenSports.com podcast, with filling in for Adam J. Maya um, last week, and we talked about some of the young receivers we would like to see get some time. I said I wanted to see Josh Matcherbay out there. I want I, I wanted to know what was up with Joseph Lewis. Uh, we were seeing that Tyler Vaughn's was getting a little bit more time, but Tyler Vaughn's is looking really, really good. You know, I got to see more. Of course, I don't do the small sample size thing, but from what I can see. He looks like one of those classic Z receiver types, you know, one of the classic guys we've seen uh, just in the mode of a Juju Smith-Schuster. And I know what Josh is about. Uh, he had a pretty bad play where he didn't run his route correctly. Um, the the depth of the route was thrown off because he rounded it off. Uh, he didn't stem and, and stick that foot in the ground and come come flat towards the um t- come flat to the sideline. So he to me allowed for that play to be messed up. But think about this. He got, it was a stare down. It was a complete stare down. Sam Darnold was staring down all his receivers all game long. And nobody was pointing it out. Even the guys on the telecast, I don't believe were pointing out. Uh, he, there was this one play I wanted to talk about. It was an alert vert call to Joseph Lewis. I believe that they saw that. I think that Washington State may have dropped somebody down in the box, so it was a single high coverage. So they alert verted and let my man uh, run a straight go. And he got behind the receiver, but Sam threw it kind of to the outside, like like on the outside shoulder kind of thing, and he couldn't make the adjustment. If he had thrown it upfield, uh, something like that, then what would you have said about a T. Martin, a call like that? That would have been a proper adjustment, and that would have been a great a great play by them because it, it, it worked. But they didn't execute it. You have to execute. There were plays that were called. There was a lot of plays left out on that field that had nothing to do with the actual call. It had to do with the execution of the play, which is nine tenths of the law. Execution is nine tenths of the law in my book. You know, I'll allow for for everyone's opinions to be heard. There's no doubt about it. But you can't tell me otherwise. It's all about execution. I could call. You know what? The best type of teams are the type of teams that'll tell you like we're going to run the ball can you stop it and how really creative is that not much creative in it maybe the runs the run game itself is creative misdirection draws pitches whatever outside 
tosses, anytime sweeps, everything you can probably think of. Power play zone, inside zone, outside zone, all of that. But you're still telling the team like, hey, we're just going to run it. Can you stop it? I could tell I could tell you right now in in practice, we would do things to where I they're going to run uh, a 22 blast or whatever like that. Can we stop it? We knew they were going to run 22 blasts, but it didn't mean that we could stop it because guess what? They're still blocking involved in the play and everything like that. So we still couldn't stop. It was mostly goal, goal line work type stuff, but you more than likely know what's coming in goal line and you can't stop it. So it's about execution. So, man, I could go on and on, but I don't know. So if we're talking about like Sam Darnold and the Heisman and all this, yeah, you have to adjust that. You can't play average, you know, even though you have great moments and stuff like that, but you can't have losses for one um, but you can't have losses the way you play, uh, where you where your play is really questioned. I've seen Lamar Jackson; he had a ton of losses last season and and won the Heisman. He won it before. I think he won it by default though, because he had such a big lead when he started playing bad. It didn't really matter. But you, I don't know. You got to let that go. To me, that's not the the goal to get a Heisman Trophy winner. I want to see SC in the college football playoffs winning that national title. So that's the goal, and that goal is still in front of you. There are some things need to clean up, no doubt about it. Um, I still like what Christian Rector was doing out there in, in place of, of of Porter Gustin. I like what I saw from Rasheem Green. Um, did he get hurt again? <laughs> yeah, something happened. Um, Chenna also still the he's probably the best player in the front. It's weird to say that now. I'm thinking about. When we did the preview show last year, and I was wondering about him and his size, but that guy knows how to play football. He is just a football player, you know? And, um, of course, you can't really say anything. John Houston Jr. was flashing to me, but that secondary we knew was going to have a little bit of trouble with Washington State, and it wasn't too bad of trouble, but it was just kind of an execution. Uh, there you go, execution thing to me where they executed at a certain point in time and you couldn't really – you couldn't really do anything about it. And think about that. It wasn't like their game plan was some crazy Lane Kiffin type thing that I saw him do where he uh, would switch something up and do this and that and this and whatever like that. They ran that air raid stuff. They ran them mesh, those mesh routes, rub routes and, and, and stuff like that. And they just did what they, they could do. But uh, they SC just couldn't really stop it. And you can't say they didn't really stop it because it wasn't like this was a blowout. This was a very close game still. So I'm not worried about anything right now. I think an Oregon State game, just the team, just what the doctor ordered right now to work on a few things, get some guys, some reps out there. I want to see more of um, Josh Follow. You know, we get got to get some more. He looks good out there in that number 83 jersey, man. Six foot six kid like that. Um, I want to see more of him. Uh, that's another play that comes to mind. We're talking about that. It was almost a near pick six. It would have been like a 100-yard pick six when Fowler was in the game on a tight end, on one of those spotlight, tight end spotlight routes where it was kind of like a, I mean, I forget the exact route. It might have been a hitch. It might have been an out or whatever like that. But Sam just stared it down and just threw it kind of on the inside. I can't believe the guy didn't catch it. I was he was just lucky that he didn't catch it, but that that was poor. That was piss poor play. That was piss poor execution right there. At the very least, you got a big six foot six guy like that. 
man, let's let's try to fade that bad boy. Let's hit, let's hit him with a fade, or 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 let's not stare it down. You know the ball's gonna come over there. There are plenty of times where I was looking at stuff and I'm like, man, if he knows he's gonna go to this particular side of the field, just look at the other side. Move the safety with your eyes. Move some of those linebackers that are underneath these zones with your eyes, and then come back on the other side. No, it's not all Sam's fault. No doubt about it, but he deserves a lot of the blame just because he gets a lot of the credit when it goes well. Can't have it both ways, in my opinion, right? And if we're talking about that that third and 13 play where it was um, cheetah personnel, I think it was the trips on the left, and there was a four-man front for Washington State. And if you saw the way the backers were aligned, that red, let's get seven or eight yards, especially with the type of running back you have that you could throw him a screen pass and he can score right before the half against Stanford. Was it Stanford? Well, I think it may have been a Stanford game. So somebody that explosive, he can eat you eight or nine, ten yards right there if you're talking about a tendency breaker. So those are tendency breakers. People always cry about tendency breakers when they don't succeed. But when they do do it, then the people are called a genius. So <laughs> darn if you do, darn if you don't kind of kind of scenario, right? So that coverage dictated that. They were – had guys sunk underneath for a zone and they had mad people out in coverage waiting for some type of route. So you were just going to do a tendency breaker. So it didn't work, you know? And then the next play, uh, Tyler Vaughn's bell to me, bell Sam Darnold out, even though Darnold kept the play alive in the pocket and was able to float and make a throw. He threw in the double or triple coverage. And Tyler Vaughn just has hops like that. And he has ball skills like that. So is your number one receiver in the future. And integrate him in with Deontay Burnett, who does pretty well. And um, Stephen Mitchell, when he's not injured, and then works on some guys like Joseph Lewis, who had a catch, I saw. I think he should be all right in that particular fashion. But you still can't stare down receivers and think you're not going to throw interceptions. You know, that's football one-on-one. It's time to get back to basics, you know. You can't win the Heisman every throw. Sometimes you just got to go back to the basics and do and and go with what the coverage calls for, you know, or and go by what your mechanics call for. Go by your eye manipulation. Eye manipulation. I don't know. I was just frustrated watching that. Can't lose to a team like Washington State. I don't care how many how many people try to put uh, lipstick on it. It's still a pig. You can't. Yeah, nice nice coaching staff. Not not the greatest coaching staff of all time or anything like that. A really good coaching staff, really good coach that does what he does, but a coach that has shown also to have some bad gears and get his brains beat in by by teams of USC's ilk, you know? So moving forward, just get back to basics, back to basics. Integrate these guys in, use this Oregon State game as a tool and don't let this game continue to beat you because there are some guys that's coming up on the schedule, uh, some teams that are coming up on the schedule, and it's about to be off the chain. Some of these teams are doing a lot better than we probably thought they would be doing, um, whether it be, I can't say necessarily Notre Dame. Maybe some of these teams are doing even worse than you thought. Maybe like a Colorado you thought could be a little bit better. I don't know. There's nothing that daunting ahead. So it's to me – 
even though it's not that daunting, everybody presents a challenge because right now USC is not playing championship type ball. So a lot of these games could be close where you think it shouldn't be close, like a Cal game. You should beat up on Cal. To me, you should even beat up on Washington State. You should definitely should have smoked out Texas. Texas was struggling with Iowa State after that, <laughs> showing really what it's made out of, you know. But we'll see what's going on with Utah and Notre Dame and Arizona and these teams like that. It's not daunting. And you just got to get some things corrected and go back to basics. But I ain't scared. You scared? <laughs> But all right, man, on the other side, man, we're getting a little bit of this Oregon State thing. And then I'm up out of here, man. Oregon State is trash. Dookie. All right. Scheme to death. talk about the Oregon State Beavers now listen I really like Oregon State a lot I don't know if people know about me I'm a huge Wisconsin fan I just love the style of play from Wisconsin when I was a kid man that smash mouth football that three yards on a cloud of dust 22 personnel 13 personnel working with your 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 fullbacks and working off your tight ends and everything like that that's my style of play right there that's why I really like Stanford right so obviously the Oregon State staff is a staff that I know pretty close from a, a different well I know a lot about from his time at Wisconsin coach A coach Anderson uh did a really good job at Wisconsin and he just left it was weird I don't know why he left and went to Oregon State but it was it was kind of weird and he left and went to a uh, Oregon State program to me that Mike Rowley left kind of on the downslide than when he had it rocking in previous years but even when he did have a rock and it wasn't like he had it, he was killing it he had some some really good moments. However, uh, Oregon State's <laughs> Oregon State is terrible, man. Terrible. Uh, I've watched all the games just from the fact that I watch anything dealing with Coach Anderson. I really like Coach Anderson a lot, and I actually know uh, some of the coaches on the coaching staff from my marketing business with my with with the kids under my marketing business that I um. Uh, that I've created there, top billing sports and team management, training, exposure, and marketing. Uh, one of my kids has an offer from Oregon State. Steel Chambers, one of the best running backs in the state of Georgia, 2019 running back. Um, he actually has a Stanford offer too. And um, he's oh, definitely on USC's radar, on UCLA's radar. He he took trips out to both of those those guys over there. So, but he has an Oregon State offer, and I've talked to their coaches multiple on multiple occasions. Uh, I've seen them in person multiple occasions and, um, and going out to dinner and everything. So it's a staff that I like a lot. I know that that staff can teach. I've seen it teach great defense at Wisconsin, right? I mean, these guys were involved with some really good coaches at Wisconsin, and they were really good coaches as well. 
but to me, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, and they just ain't got the type of personnel that it takes to compete. I mean, they barely beat Portland State, and they've been getting mollywhopped by everyone else they played. So I watched the Washington game really close. I watched the Colorado State game. I believe it was the first game of the season. I remember watching that bad boy. And I watched a little bit of the Colorado game. But if Oregon State's on TV, I'm going to watch it regardless. So with that being said, I realize, I feel like I know the coach, know the personnel really, really well. Coach Baldwin, I know the scheme really well. Coach Baldwin out there, he's doing his thing on the offense side of the ball. Uh, he's a tight ends guy too. So, you know, they try to involve the tight ends. And they're working out of the shotgun a lot more. It was definitely more at Wisconsin. It was more under center. But you still get a lot of these power schemes out out of shotgun. But the the players that they have, man, like the the quarterback. Mm, mm-mm. So the quarterback, Daryl Garrett's um, extremely inaccurate. He's a transfer guy. He's probably like 29 years old. But, man, he's extremely inaccurate. Um, I'm not sure if he has a, a complete understanding of what they're trying to do there. But, yeah, he's not that good. They have some 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 talent at the receiver spot, I would say. This cat number 13, his name is Jordan Villeman. Uh, he's pretty good. They have another receiver, and Isaiah Hodgson is pretty good, been pretty good. But the offensive line is not up to snuff and is having a tough time running the ball this year when in recent years that's been a thing. Now, the personnel at running back, really good, really good, very Wisconsin-ass. Ryan Nall, um, I think he had almost 1,000 yards last year, big old six foot two, 230-pound running back. Now, he could possibly give the Trojans a little bit of trouble, but I don't think that the Trojans should struggle with this particular front, this offensive line, uh, this offensive line unit. So the, the front should be back to being very dominant. Uh, we'll see Josh Fatu doing his thing up there at that shade. But guys like Christian Rector and them, they should have a field day, field day. And this could be the thing where these guys probably don't want to try to put it in the air. They may try to shorten the game trying to run the ball. Now, if they're able to get some success in the run game, it could be – it could be a little bit of trouble, but to me, they can they can play their best game. You'll see play an average game, and you'll see should still be able to beat them by like seventeen points. They are that bad, and they're to me equally as bad on defense. Even though they do have some talent, I like how they're coached. Obviously, at the secondary position, uh, secondary coach is a real good coach, and um, I, I like some of their players like Xavier Crawford, a cornerback there, and Kyle White. So is a is a guy that transferred in he's starting uh, he's a he's a pretty good player for them the safeties are pretty good um Jalen Moore and David Morris but the front not like you would think is it, it looks very Washington State-esque but not the type of production you would think a uh, Hongalu is cat he plays the inside linebacker spot number 55 he, he can get after it um, uh, so some other guys over there, man. It's like a Polynesian. It's like the whole John is Polynesian. There's this cat. His name is Uguebu or something like that. He, he plays an outside linebacker position. Uh, he does does pretty well, but I don't know. I feel bad for these guys, man. I'm not sure how long they're going to be able to last there. It's the third season with the coaching staff there with Coach A, and I'm not sure. I wonder if he just made a terrible mistake. Uh, I heard he wanted to get back to the West Coast. And obviously he came from Utah State when he went to Wisconsin. 
and I guess that wasn't available to go back to, and they just need some more players. But I have some players that they need that they can uh, definitely should be offering. <laughs> I will say that that could help them out. So Oregon State, you out there? Holla at your boy. You know, you know where to call. Got some guys for you. You know, we want to run the rock a little bit better. I got some guys for you. You need, you, you need a, a top notch tight end. I know a guy. So, so speaking of that. They will run uh, a lot of 21 personnel. They'll oscillate to some 12 personnel type thing. So we'll see if they try to put some guys on some conflict of assignments off the ball guys, maybe get John Houston to try to cover a little bit more or try to get Cam Smith out in coverage, even though we know he's pretty decent at that, especially when you're considering when you consider how good he is in zone drops. So that shouldn't be too much of a problem. I would like to see more of that big dime. We didn't get a chance to see the big dime against Washington State. If Jenny Harris was back, and he was doing pretty decent. But I don't know, something about Achille Ross and Marvell Tell as your inside corners, it just looks freaky. A couple of six-foot-two cats, six-one-six-two cats there just looking freaky out there. So this is a team you could you could get off on if you want to try some things. I saw some some blitzes that I thought were pretty good. Marvell Tell blitzing, some of that, some of that strong safety fire. Let's get some more nickel fires going. Let's just put some straight confusion on this guy. You can get organic pressure, no doubt, on Oregon State, but I would like to see some of this fabricated pressure being dealt out at nauseam as well. This is just a team, like I said before, definitely a team you shouldn't lose to. Although Washington State is a good team, I still don't think you should lose to a Washington State if you are that team that most pegged you to be coming out of last season and through the offseason. But this is definitely a team that you should never slip up on. I mean, they got out of there by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin against Portland State. It was like 35 to 32 or something like that. No joke. So I guess everybody else could say something like, well, they barely beat Western Michigan when it came down. It was a lot closer and stuff. No, Portland State is not Western Michigan. Big difference, right? So we'll see. Ryan Nall, cat to watch for, running back. Artavis Pierce is their backup running back. And another cat that you guys may remember from yesteryear in Oregon, Thomas Tyner, he's back. He had a pretty nice close to the Washington State game. I mean, to the Washington game when they got blew up by Washington last week. And um, Ryan Nall was actually hurt at the end. So if there's no Ryan Nall, I really don't see. I, this This could get ugly. I'm talking about like. Man, even with Ryan Nall, let me go ahead and get my prediction before I forget too. I'm going to go. 45 to 10 SC. I no doubt, but uh, some of the personnel you can watch out for, if they can get the run game going, then maybe they can make it a little interesting for a little bit. That's like it did at, um, against Washington. But Washington ended up blowing them dudes out anyway. It was ended up being like um, 42 to 7 or something like that. So Sorry, I ain't got much for you against Oregon State. Actually, Extremely disappointing to watch an Oregon State team coached by that guy that I respect very much, and Coach A. But it is what it is, all right? So that's going to do it. Like I said before, make sure you get on over. Cop yourself a subscription. You can see what's up with the guys. They got a whole bunch of content popping off there. Um, got to get those guys to definitely preview, preview their content for the week on their show. So um, we can know what's coming up there because I'm always excited to see the content that's going to be on Trojansports.com. So if you want to see some good content, get on over to Trojansports.com. Get yourself a subscription, man. It comes out to like 
15 cents a day or something like that when you talk about something that's under 10 bucks that you can get on 24 7 a day if you want you know what i mean 24 7 365 it's really not that a lot of really not a lot of money at all and especially for the type of material you get so obviously trojan sports is the best it ain't them cats at scout it ain't them cats at 24 7 sb nation or wherever you could think of we have it on lock with that being said i am out <laughs> <laughs>